Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's from the government. It's full
opinions and representations expressed on the night dreams talk radio network and its website are those of the hosts guests and participants and are not necessarily those of or endorsed by the network its affiliated stations and broadcasts the management other hosts or advertisers of the network the shows found on the night dreams talk radio network can but do not necessarily promote any particular lifestyle belief religion political affiliation or other personal practice these shows are for entertainment purposes only and are not intended to treat, diagnose, and or claim any cure of disease or condition or give any medical or legal advice. Coming to you from some far point station, like a cosmic tumbleweed, both north and south of the Pleiades, here's your host, Gary Anderson. Well, good morning, good evening, depending on your time zone. Down at the compound here today, April the 15th, we're hitting near 80 degrees. It's getting hotter and hotter and hotter. And I can tell you what, this weekend is going to be around 80. And then next week, it's going to be rainy and back cool again. I don't know, but I got to get an air conditioning in the studio. Antarctica, Doomsday Glacier. Well, it's now at the tipping point, according to scientists, and all it will take is just something, something to kind of, well, flip it over. And if that happens, oh, boy, it's going to take out the uh, West uh, Antarctic ice sheet. What that means to me and you is that the sea levels will rise 10 feet, and that could happen at a moment's notice. So, I mean, we got that going. That is really kind of scary right there. And COVID, we think of COVID in our neighborhood, our state, and our country, and worldwide. How about the merchant sailors? There's over 200,000 sailors stuck at sea. They can't come into port because of the COVID. I didn't even realize today. I read that in today in the news on CNN. Well, the Pentagon wants to launch in the next four years a thermal nuclear, well, rocket. It'll be like the fastest rocket we have ever had, and they want to use it to go to the moon and going out into the solar system. And they want to do that within the next four years. Now, you know, we think about T-Rex. Mm-hmm. Think about, like, well, 2.5 billion of them roaming North America at one time. 2.5 billion. Could you imagine what it would have been like living with those creatures, I mean, they were one of the most, well, I hate to say it, efficient killing machines. I, I'm surprised humanity even survived them. And uh, I don't know. What do you think, James? Well, I think there'd be a lot of them running around. I, 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 that many of them, you would, it makes me wonder, was there enough food? My goodness. Well, maybe there was a lot less cavemen walking around. 
<laughs> well, that's true for sure. But that's a lot. Of, that is a lot of T Rexes. Two point five million. A billion. Oh, billion. Not Jeez. million. Two point five billion T Rexes at one point were roaming North America. That's a lot. A million's not much, but we're talking billion. That's amazing. That especially how rare. Uh, it is to even find uh, a skeleton of a T-Rex. Well, they find, you know, according to Joe Taylor, they, they're quite common to find, you know, body parts, you know, skeletal uh, parts all over Texas, all over our country, and even into Canada. That's amazing. I, I, I just can't. I would be scared. You imagine going out in, in the woods and uh, you would have to be dodging those things all right and left. Well, they're like, again, they were a perfect killing machine. That's what they were designed to do was, well, feed. I mean, this, that's is like a piranha, right? You go in a river where piranhas are, you, that, the perfect killing machine. T-Rexes were one of the most uh, efficient killing machines. What do you think what's going on about the Doomsday Glacier in Antarctica? Well, well yeah, that's a good one. My, wow. Uh, and, you know, I always say, those glacier, that whole scenario, what you can see, there's two thirds you can't see. So that's a lot. That is a lot. That's a high, a lot of water rise too. That's going to cause a domino effect. That's, I'll tell you, it's going to be crippling in many ways. Well, you know, they just sent an unmanned submarine underneath the glacier, and it's at the point right now where it's ready to just go. And as soon as it goes, now they're really worried it's going to take out the whole ice sheet. Of in West Antarctica, and that means instant, instant ten feet sea level rise. Do you have any property in Florida by any chance? Well, yeah. If you do, you might want to get one of them submarines you just speak of. But you know, the other thing that scares me is the slowing down or the cooling down of the Gulf Coast of the currents that go runs up the coast and all over the world that regulates the Earth's temperatures throughout the world. And But the thing is, the reason why that is going on, all this fresh, cold water being dumped into the ocean. And, and, and it's cooling the ocean, which is now slowing that path of water coming, you know, from the equator through the Caribbean up, you know, up to the UK. And it's getting narrower and it's slowing down. If it stalls, boy, I, I really feel sorry for our guest we have on tonight, Marcus. I tell you, it's going to be darn cold in Europe. Uh, yeah. Matter of fact, UK may turn into a little, uh, well, North Pole. Well, it would not be a mini ice age if it totally stalled. I mean, it, in the past, it's slowed down. Look what happened in Russia at the turn of the century. They went into a mini ice age. Even the UK went into a, a cold spell during that time frame. And that was just because it slowed down. Now, imagine if it stalls and quits. But the other point people aren't realizing, okay, if the sea level comes up 10 feet, that's a lot. And and also what it doesn't come in and and take land because of the rise, which it will take a lot of land when that happens, is it's going to contaminate the the groundwater. So the groundwater, which is, you know, fresh water, is going to be replaced with salt water, which then is going to kill the vegetation. It's going to kill off more trees. It's going to kill off plant life, which then in turns is going to kill off, you know, animals. Oh, absolutely. That was 
like the domino effect I was mentioning, because it will mess up so many ecosystems uh, with animal life, plant life, sea life, all of it. And, and you know what else? It will really hurt the economy also. What economy at that point? There won't be economy, James. Not true. If, if true. any of this scenario happens, the economies are going to be gone. So, I mean, let's face it. I mean, if, if With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If we go into an ice age, even if it's only in Europe, but it, again, it could even cause us to go into a mini ice age. You know, people have been in denial about this for so many years and you know i had a guy i was talking to you this morning he kept saying well you know global warming is good but now it's starting to cool so everything is good and i said well have you realized the global warming what happens is what happens now the sea rises okay the sea comes into the you know and everything is what we're seeing now is not a good thing I, I, I can tell you, you know, we had that scientist on the other night. We were talking about the magnetic field, all this stuff. I'm not really worried about the magnetic field after he explained nothing is really going to happen. I'm more worried about, you know, the day after tomorrow effect. That's what I'm worried about. Uh, yeah, me too. And then, you know, what else follows these uh, events is disease and famine that follows with it. Yeah, well, don't worry about it. Yellowstone will go before then. Hey, who's our guest tonight? Hey, our guest tonight is Marcus Loth, and he is the one of the editor or the editor actually of uh, Insight Magazine, UFO Magazine. And I'll tell you, he's got twenty years of research in, in uh, UFOs and all kind of stuff that is connected with everything UFO and aliens, especially within the UK. Interesting. Well, hey, Marcus, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, and it's pleased to be here. Okay, and uh, what time is it down in the UK right now? It's ten past three in the morning right now. Well, boy, I know my mom was Canadian, and uh, she loved tea. I love tea. I got that from her. Are you drinking a lot of tea to stay awake at this point, or are you drinking coffee? I've been drinking coffee this evening. I, I am normally a tea drinker, uh, but now I've had about six cups of coffee up till this point. So, yeah, I'm wide awake. Well, let me know if you have to run to the little boy's room and we'll put a commercial on, if, if you drink that many cups there. Well, why don't you tell the listeners, Marcus, about yourself? What got you into doing research from, you know, paranormal ghost things to UFOs and aliens and conspiracies? What got you into that? Um, I've always had an interest in, uh, as far back as I can remember, into anything unexplained, mysterious, anything strange. Um, you know, so what starts out just reading books on UFOs, books on ghosts, or whatever it might be. As you get older, that progresses into more serious research, uh, seeking out documents, um, you know, declassified files, things like that. And obviously the internet is a great tool for things uh, like that. And, you know, that was kind of done over a course of a decade, a decade and a half. And the result of that is you want to kind of get the information out 
you know, to the general public, uh, even if it's just your take on things. Um, always had a love of writing, so the two things, uh, you know, mesh. And uh, 2015, I started putting these things into articles, started working for UFO Insight. Uh, obviously, we've done a couple of books. And um, what, I, what, I, what I found, I mean, I started out with an intense interest in UFOs and alien encounters, but you tend to find that these things cross over. So you've got, like, things that you would normally associate with ghostly activity and apparitions that tend to show up in UFO and alien encounters, and that fascinates me. Uh, I really think that, you know, all of these seemingly unconnected phenomena is probably very much connected. Uh, and that's really at the heart of the research that, that I'm kind of carrying out is really just researching as many different accounts as possible and looking for patterns and looking for connections. Well, how do the people in the UK and the government, you know, respond to, you know, what's going on about ufology? As you know, in our country here, the Pentagon, the Navy has come out. They haven't said that they're UFOs from another planet, but they're, they did come out and say they're unidentifying objects which we already knew that they were. But the thing is, how about in your country? I mean, how is your military, how is your government addressing disclosure for UFOs? I would say very much the same until recently, anyway, very much the same as over in the States. Uh, You know, basically a denial, really. I mean, you know, it's well known, again, looking through declassified files, that they very much have had an interest in UFOs and whatever they may be um, for decades, uh, stretching right back to the at least 1950s. Um, but, you know, unlike what's happening in the States, there doesn't really seem to be any push for disclosure uh, in this country. Um, it seems to, if it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen on, over on your side of the pond, I would, I would suggest. There's certainly an interest, though, in, in the subjects in this country, very much so. Oh, yeah. Well, again, your parliament, do they have any special think groups or anything like we do here with the Pentagon that is even Congress here in the Senate has, you know, uh, panels where they they're investigating ufology? No, I mean, I would say, you know, UFO research in the UK is really an independent thing. Uh, Now, whether that's going on behind closed doors, of course, which it likely is, um, that's another matter. Um, you know, there's certain bodies that will take uh, an interest in UFO encounters, particularly to involve commercial aircraft, for example, um, which has happened a few times over the last couple of years in the UK, as it has over there. I think Arizona was a, a recent one in the United States earlier this year. But um, no, I don't think there's any real official drive um, to seek out the truth on what UFOs may or may not be. Interesting. Have you yourself or your wife or any family members had any mm-hmm. encounters seen a ufo something that you knew darn well it wasn't an aircraft or or a asteroid or you know something yeah i mean i wouldn't say it's the most dramatic of um encounters but um i was with my son in the garden we were looking we were actually looking for meteorites that night because it was supposed to be a shower um we both happened to see a star which sort of zigged really quickly to uh you know another part of the sky stopped there motionless it zigged uh, to another part of the sky, stopped there motionless, and then just zipped away. Um, we both kind of looked at each, at each other, you know, did you see that? Uh, and it was just really calm, yep, yeah, I saw that, and then we just came back inside. But, I mean, that's the only thing I could say that I've seen, but it certainly was something strange, and it certainly wasn't a meteorite. Um, and it fits in with um, 
a lot of accounts, you know, similar sightings, basically, of exactly how it moved. You think it's a star, but something draws you to it, and then you see it move, stop, move again, and then it was gone. Um, but that's the that's the the only thing I can say that I've I've witnessed as far as UFOs. Well, you know, I had an encounter with my first wife, and boy, I've been married quite a few times. And I will say this because my wife is probably listening. We are going on. We just hit 46 years of marriage. So you can tell how old I am. I'm old. And back in the mid-70s, I was coming back from North Carolina, the opposite side of the country. I grew up in Seattle area. That's where my home always has been. And Mm -hmm. we were going through the desert of New Mexico. And it was like one, maybe two-ish in the morning. It was, you know getting there and uh we noticed this bright light following the car and it was lighting up the inside of the car to the point that i could barely even see the road and it was so bright it was hurting my eyes i decided okay i know i'm speeding i had a gto which is you know a hot rod back those days and i pull off the side of the road and i think okay it's probably a police helicopter i know i was going over 100 miles an hour because there was no traffic you know, and, they, yeah. and I think the speed limit was 80, 90 miles an hour at that time in that area. And I figured, okay, I'm going to get a big ticket. And I was wondering how would I pay it because I don't have no money left. And I, I pull over and I get out of the car. And here's what was ex- really nerve wracking. I get out of the car. I don't hear any sound. Hmm. I don't hear no anything. It's void of any sound. Now, I was in the military. I've been on enough helicopters. I know what helicopters, believe me, sound like. And there was no helicopter sound. And the light was so bright. And I remember looking up at it, and I couldn't see no helicopter, nothing. I I just saw a humongous bright light. And then, like, poof, it was gone. Like that. And yeah. till this day, it really bugs me. What did I encounter? I, I, I know it wasn't a helicopter. And in the early 70s, like that, or the mid-70s, I know our military didn't have anything. I don't think it could have done that. So I don't know if I had a strange encounter or what. But I tell you, it really opened my eyes up that we're not the only people in the campground walking around. No, I mean, definitely, it certainly appears. I mean, you know, listening to you, to you tell that there, it, it, again, it resonates with so many other accounts that I've read, uh, that I've examined, uh, you know, lights coming out of the sky on a lonely road. Um, like, as you say, there's no sound, and you certainly would hear an helicopter sound. Um, the one thing that, you know, w- w- is interesting in many of those accounts, as you say, the, the light just zipped away. Quite often, people who experience that, and I'm sure you know it yourself, suddenly realise that they're missing time. You know, it's skipped forward an hour, they can't remember, and, you know, and, and that's when you start to think, well, maybe there's more to this uh, encounter than just uh, a strange light in the sky. But, yeah, I mean, I've, I've read many accounts, uh, pretty much a carbon copy of, of what you've just said there. Well, unfortunately, I don't like wearing watches, so I didn't have a watch on. <laughs> and my clock, my, my clock in that GTO never worked from the day I bought the car. And so, you know, I, I had no idea of lost their time. You know, that maybe, maybe a minute or so of that bright light getting out of the car. Who knows how long it was? I really don't know. I mean, haven't you ever been in a situation where you, you went somewhere in a car and you realize you missed the exit by about 25, 30 miles 
and you're trying to figure in your mind, what were you thinking about for that, that 20 to 25 miles? Something, yeah, I mean, something thought- happened. Have you ever had any any strange thing like that ever happen? Loss of time, space, anything? No, I mean I've I've not experienced myself uh, missing time. Certainly not aware of it. Uh, again, you know I, I've read probably hundreds of accounts of people who have. I've been told of you know encounters with people have said that they have. They can't account for say half an hour or an hour. It's certainly a telltale sign of alien abduction, uh, combined with obviously things like bright lights and, and stuff. But no, I, I'm I'm quite lucky like that. I've I've not experienced anything of that nature. Uh, and I say lucky if we assume that there is, a, you know, a not very beneficial. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...force behind these, uh, these incidents. How about, you know, writing for this magazine and stuff like that? Have you heard any strange stories that after you read it or you took the information to write it for the magazine, you scratch your head and you go, wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely loads. I mean, as I say, I mean, the the thing that fascinates me when you read these things and when you're putting together articles is, you know, you're starting to pick up on connections. You're, for example, in, in lots of um, alien abduction cases, you, you tend to pick up on really trivial bits of information um, that, that are repeated uh, through different accounts, different accounts of, of alien abduction, such as uh, people speak about what we call no-source lighting. When they're aboard these apparent spaceships, it's bright, it's well lit, but there's no actual source of lighting anywhere, for example. Um, there's no light bulb, there's no light strip. It's almost like the lights come out of the walls. Uh, people speak about stone tables or stone-like tables and things like that. Um, so that's what fascinates me when you sit there and scratch your head and think, you know, these people, there's so many different accounts from all over the world, from across the decades, um, and not all of these people can be, you know, just literally making this stuff up. Um, so that's what what fascinates me is really just um, is looking for patterns, looking for connections, and just trying to come up with a, you know, with a explanation explanation for this for for these, you know, truly strange um, events. And that's the hard part. Yeah, again, like I I told you before we went on the air, I've interviewed probably the majority of the guests out there, you know, who have had books on about their encounters. And, and and sometimes, you know, I, I really believe what they say. Sometimes I wonder, are they being got to by their publisher or somebody else because their story kind of always changes? You have them on one time, they tell their story, then you have them on another time, like six months later, it changes a little bit, then you have them on a year later, and it's a little bit different. 
I mean, Travis Walton, for example, him and the driver of that truck are fighting right now because the driver of the truck says, well, some of the stuff that Travis has been saying didn't happen. So then we got Travis coming back, you know, saying, well, it happened. I don't know. That's the thing. Things, sometimes people get put under pressure and maybe their stories change. I don't know. I think there's a couple of explanations, like, like as we were speaking about. I mean, sometimes I think there's a need to, whether the people realise it or not, just to um, make the tale a little bit more outrageous, keep the interest in it. But also, it could be a case that the details are remembered um, the longer time goes on. Um, as you say, though, it, it doesn't do researchers or or the UFO and alien question any favours because it muddies the waters and it's already pretty muddy. Um, so, yeah, it's one of those things. And as we said before we came on air, you've got to treat most of these in, um, claims, although some of them are obviously um, come across more credible than others, but you've got to treat them all with a pinch of salt. But ultimately, something is definitely going on. I mean, you know, there's so many sites in so many accounts that, you know, you can't just dismiss it as people are just crazy or people are looking for uh, publicity or money. I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, times, people don't want publicity. They, they, they turn down money. They just want to get their encounter out to investigators and just get an explanation as to what they've seen or experienced. So, um, yeah, I think there's definitely something behind UFO um, sightings and apparent encounters with aliens. Um, I think I think we're probably a little way off from actually discovering what that is, though. Oh, yeah. Now, in the UK, I know we had Project Blue Book here in our country uh, up to the mid-60s, I believe, 69, when they, they shelved it. But yeah. does your government, did they have anything similar to Project Blue Book, where they actually were investigating these reportings of, of UFO sightings? Well, yeah, I mean, um, again, it was all hush-hush, and uh, it wasn't officially acknowledged, but, I mean, it's widely believed that in the 1950s there was um you know, in, in a nondescript building in London was a place called Room 801, um, which was written about by Timothy Good, um, a respected UFO researcher uh, from the UK. Um, and basically, they were, it was said that they had up to 10,000 files on their, or, or accounts, sort of say, on their files, huge map of the UK in this room where they pinned all the different sightings that they were looking at. What's interesting, there was also... Um, accounts that appeared in the newspapers of the time, such as uh, the London Mental News, uh, they basically said that the British Air Ministry was investigating flying saucers, and that's official, was the quote. Uh, it was all denied. Uh, it wasn't as open as Project Blue Book, but they were certainly investigating UFOs as far back as the 1950s. Uh, and in all likeliness, that probably carried on behind closed doors right until the modern age now. Oh, yeah. Now, we've got, we've got to go to break here in a minute or two, and when we come back from break... Marcus, I, I, do you have, and you can answer this after the break, do you have mm-hmm. like an Area 51 in the UK where they're doing experimental things with aircraft or ET, uh, whatever, uh, compared to like our Area 51? I'll let you answer that when we come back with Marcus after the break. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Check out our website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. Hi, this is Tom Davis with Metatron Power and Light. Our songs are inspired by our own experiences and the stories of people we've met. We know what we've seen and we know the truth. We are not alone. 
What's unusual about Metatron Power and Light as a band is we share the same beliefs. We've all had similar experiences, and together through music, we can explore the kinds of subjects that haven't been presented in exactly this way before. We want everyone to know that what you're going through, we're going through. When you're being told one thing and seeing another, we're here with you. Music brings people together, and together, we're strong. Night Dreams Talk Radio, After Dark, wants to give a big shout out to all the truckers that listen to our show. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio, After Dark, with our host, Gary Anderson. And we are back with Marcus. Marcus, the question I I had was, you know, do you have something similar to Area 51 in the UK? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of places, and again, I stress we must uh, treat these with a pinch of salt. But uh, there's a there's a place called uh, Ludlow Manor. Um, it was kind of used in the Second World War for you know building aircraft and, and intelligence and such things. But um, there's been rumours for decades, really, that reverse engineering of alien, alien technology is taking place in underground facilities under Ludlow Manor. Um, another place. Um, which is again is probably a little bit less credible, but it's certainly interesting. Is there's supposed to be an underground facility in a, a village called Peasmore in Berkshire, in Berkshire, excuse me. Um, this is apparently called AL four nine nine base. Uh, officially doesn't exist, but again, the same things are going on. If we believe the claims to be true, uh, as at Ludlow Manor. Um, a little bit more outlandish as well. Um, there's. Wales, the coast of Wales, is a particular hotspot uh, for UFOs in the United Kingdom. Uh, some researchers have suggested that there is underwater alien bases off the coast of Wales, and they point to multiple, multiple sightings of strange crafts seen entering and, and exiting the water there, not to mention uh, a surge of sightings uh, around the Welsh coast. So, yeah, there's certainly facilities or alleged facilities in the United Kingdom. Uh, a lot of the time they involve joint operations with uh, United States intelligence as well. So, um, you know, you can make of those claims what you will, but they, they've been around for quite a while and they don't, you know, they really are quite persistent. So, you know, there could be something to them for sure. Yeah, it's just interesting. I know that Area 51, you know, I really think that they moved that type of technology to another secure place because Area 51 is not secure, hasn't been secure for years, uh, at mm-hmm. least because of all the, the people that believe that, you know, we have reverse engineering going on and alien bodies and all this stuff at Area 51. And it, I've heard such outrageous uh, stories like, well, from the California coast all the way to Area 51, there's a tunnel where yeah. you know, UFOs or submarines can transport stuff back and forth. I don't buy that one. I have had a couple people that actually worked at Area 51. It says, hey, there's no underground anything at Area 51. So I Yeah, I mean, I've heard similar rumors of tunnels and and. You know, you can even even more bizarre than that. The tunnels that stretch right the way across the United States. Um, 
again, that, that phrase, you treat it with a pinch of salt. But, I mean, just returning back to the UK, and we're talking about reverse engineering uh, technology, if you remember um, the journalist Dorothy Kilgallen, I mean, she made some quite remarkable claims in the mid-1950s from a reputable source, she said, that, um, you know, the UK government had indeed got their hands on a UFO that crashed in the UK during the Second World War. Uh, she went public with those claims, and although they were kind of dismissed by most people, um, she was a very credible and serious-minded journalist. Um, so, yeah, I, I think if if there is facilities in the United States and they are reverse engineering alien technologies, um, it is almost certainly happening here as well in the UK. Yeah, but, you know, again, I've had scientists on the show, and I always throw this little thing to them. I said, can we actually re reverse technology from any alien craft. And, you know, th th then I go into, well, let's say I go back to 1950 and hand the top scientists of the world my cell phone. Are they going to be able to duplicate that to make a cell phone work? I don't think so. And I, I think, you know, we maybe have some craft. I don't know for sure. But I don't think we have the technology to reverse engineer it. I mean, I just don't think we, we do. I don't think we have the capability because I think it's way beyond our intelligent level. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a valid point. And, and uh, I think the one, it, it makes me think of the, the reason that I read for UFO secrecy in the first place, which was, it was all about the propulsion systems. Um, that was the classified part of the UFO mystery, uh, according to some, re some researchers. Uh, and the reasons for that, really, are quite simply, if there was a propulsion system that we could master uh, that didn't rely on fuels, um, that would have a knock-on effect, you know, economically, power-wise, and who, whose influence, uh, you know, who has influence o over the world and world events. Um, whether we could reverse and en reverse engineer alien technology, I suppose ultimately it would depend on exactly what that technology uh, consisted of. Um, it's a tough one, and I, I could go either way on that one. Um, as I say, if we did recover it, they would certainly, um, you know, almost certainly try to reverse engineer that technology, and they do so behind closed doors. I mean, you know, nations do it to each other. Certainly, in the Cold War, the Soviets and the US were, you know, retrieving satellites and anything they get their hands on um, to understand what each other was doing. Uh, I'd certainly say they would make an effort to do so if they did have their hands on on an, on an alien craft. Well, we did the same thing back, what, in, in the, the 60s? Russia lost a nuclear submarine. And we disguised Howard Hughes, uh, one of his ships, right, uh, yeah. for doing some type of research. Well, the research was to recover that submarine to, to find out what their technology was, and we managed to do it. We recovered their submarine. And I don't think Russia was very happy years later when they found out we actually did that. Because we can't keep secrets. But, I mean, I, I think all countries, all worlds, whatever you're at, people are always going to be interested in, well, what do they have compared to what we have? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, as I say, I, I think, you know, if we assume for a minute that, that UFOs are very real, and if we assume just for a minute that they are coming from extra, extraterrestrial worlds uh, from other planets, then, you know, we would certainly want to study them. Um, and again, you know, we all know about Roswell and, and, and crashes. There are some 
again, we treat it with a pinch of salt, but there are some uh, suggestions that these craft have been intentionally brought down. Um, now, I find that a little bit hard to believe because I would imagine there'd be some kind of, uh, of, of retaliation or defence um, against that. But, you know, some researchers, say, some researchers do suggest that they've been intentionally brought down to Earth just so they can be studied and uh, reverse engineered. And as I say, well, how sure or feasible that might be, uh, yeah, that's up for debate. But the fact is, we, we know that many world governments, uh, many governments around the world, would just love to have the hands on technology that would put them far in advance of, of other nations. Um, and again, it's just another layer of interest to the UFO uh, and alien uh, encounters. Well, look what happened with Germany. You know, be between the United States and Russia at the time, you know, capturing the scientists that, you know, Nazi Germany had. I mean, look at the, the, the rocketry, for example, you know, von Braun, all that stuff that our technology took a major jump. I mean, even stealth aircraft, some of it was because of what was being built towards the end of war that the, the scientists were, you know, working on. And it gave us a big infusion, infusion of, you know, our equipment that we, you know, have in our military. I, I, again, with, you know, I, I'm sure that there's had to have been crashes of UFOs. I mean, unless they're, you know, building something better than what we build. I mean, malfunctions will happen. But I don't know. I got another question I want to ask you, a little bit different. Yeah. Back okay. in, in the 80s. In our country, people were calling up when I was doing various talk shows, saying that yeah. they were hearing a thumb, hum, underground, yeah. and hearing yeah. weird noise. And they, they, they said it was like coming from underground. And I heard it from so many people all across the country. Anything like that ever happened in the UK where people were hearing vibrations or sounds that were coming from the ground? Well, I mean, I think I keep hearing reports that this is still happening today, uh, where people are reporting, and apparently only some people can hear this, like you say, like a, a low hum, a low persistent hum. Um, I know one place, uh, not in the UK, but this was in Puerto Rico, where, again, in the 1980s, the, the, the same thing was described, and what what the residents of this of this town was saying was that they could almost hear this coming in from the sea underground and like constant work on banging and tunneling and um, going on and then it just suddenly stopped um now again there's there's lots of different suggestions as to what that might be the most obvious one is like you say some kind of underground facility um again how true that might be uh, we don't know, but I mean, it's it's certainly it's certainly a possibility. If if governments had the technology to to build these structures underground, and I'm sure some of them do, um, then they would do so. But uh, yeah, uh, people are still hearing this today, and uh, you know, generally speaking, there's, little, there's no real explanation for it, nor as to why only some people can hear it. I know a lot of people here think, well, maybe they're making underground bases, and then you yeah. got another group that says, well, maybe it's ET. You know, with their underground bases expanding, I have no idea what it is. Uh, well, I mean, there's another there's another possibility that you know I've I've, I've heard hashed around before is that you know again if we assume that the, the, what's behind UFOs are extraterrestrials or aliens or whatever you want to call them is that and again this is preposterous to most people but it's certainly intriguing is that they're not coming from outer space they're actually coming from inside the Earth and this is what all these bangs and hums it, it, it's them 
uh, again, I don't know if I subscribe to that, but it is certainly interesting, and it does, you know, provide an answer to well, how can they get across traversing the vast distances of space and and so on, and you know, if they were coming from inside the Earth or, or the Moon, for example, then then that that question's answered. Um, it's an inter- it's an interesting thought, and again, uh, once more, it, it just demonstrates how complex and layered. Uh, and, and nuance, I suppose, that, that you know, UFO encounters and research in them actually becomes the deeper into the, into these things that you get. Yeah, that's interesting too. How about crop circles? You're you're seem to be in the UK the number one hotspot for crop circles. What's going on with crop circles? And can you explain to the listeners what a crop circle actually is? Yeah, I mean. They tend to happen in, in, in the Wiltshire part of, of England, but they, although they do happen everywhere, you know, um, not just in the UK, just across the world, it's basically patterns made in the crops. Uh, and these are really complex, um, quite often complex, um, and, you know, st- not structures, but uh, patterns, basically. Sometimes you've got mathematical equations mixed up in this. Um and, you know, a lot of people tend to think that this is like some kind of communication uh, between extraterrestrials uh, and ourselves. I and mean, we're just like kind of missing what the message might be. There have been some cases where people claim to have filmed these crop circles appearing or manifesting themselves. Quite often, these accounts will involve orbs of light that seemingly stretch or, you know, rush through these uh, these fields um and uh, and obviously produce, produce the, uh, the the circle itself and the finished pattern and um, there's some interesting uh, details though you know for example you can normally tell a fake crop circle because the 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 wheat or the crops all have been snapped whereas these have been bent in a really specific way almost like they've been melted it's a genuine genuine mystery and most people you know although a lot of them can be dismissed as, as as hoaxes and you know fakes there's some that have really really perplexed um even the most skeptical of people um it, it, could, it there might not be an extraterrestrial connection at all it could be something to do with you know unknown forces in the ground of nature that we just don't understand but again it's a very real thing and uh, it certainly shouldn't be dismissed without without further study that's for sure well how often is it still going on in your area I mean, at one it point, it tends to happen. I would say annually, at the very least. You know, it, it tends. It, it's pretty regular. Put it that way. We're not. We're not talking years and years between crop circle formations. Um, it tends to be pretty, uh, pretty regular. Um, and you know, you tend to get seasons of it happening. Obviously, when you know, late summer and, and, and you know, September, August, September time. But no, it. it they're very persistent. Um, and it doesn't show any signs of them suddenly stopping. But what they might be, I mean, you know, I'll be honest, it, I have no idea. But it's a, it's an intriguing phenomenon. How about has anybody checked for like radiation or uh, like liquid mercury or anything that around a crop circle? Because you know, some of the UFO sighting landing uh, sites, you know, they mm. people have claimed that they were highly radioactive in the area, or they have seen droplets of mercury. Uh, in the, the area, one's a new one on me, but certainly radiation. You know, there has been radiation picked up in some of these crop circles. Uh, again, and, but it differs, uh, and and that might be suggestive that that one is more credible than the other. Um, but yeah, radiation has been picked up. As I say, the, the the way the wheat is folded suggests some kind of intense heat that then cools instantly, which you know suggests uh, an advanced technology. People have tried to recreate these things, and. Um, not managed to so you know again it just remains a mystery 
Yeah, it could be maybe something from a parallel universe or paranormal and not related to E.T. But I, I, you know, I just was thinking about when I just mentioned like liquid mercury. I remember I had a guest on. I wrote a book about what happened in Aurora around the turn of the century where supposedly mm. a UFO yeah. crashed. But going into a pre-interview with the guest, I found out his father in the Midwest was a police dispatcher. And mm. they got a phone call like like late at night saying that a UFO landed in the hospital parking lot. Now, the, he, he naturally, you know, at that time of night, a small town, they don't have many police officers. So they had to mm. wake one up to, you know, dispatch him into the location. By the time the guy got there, there was a ring about 25, 30 feet, if I remember, melted in the asphalt, still burning, with liquid mercury droplets all around the area. And they closed it off because they didn't know what to do. They didn't call the military. But by morning, they did close the area off with a police, you know, you know, uh, uh, strips, you know, warning, don't enter type of thing. By early morning, they went there with more, you know, investigators to investigate what actually it was and what it could create it. And somehow between the time that officer went there and sealed off the parking lot and he didn't stay there, which was a big mistake, by morning. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Time, it was re-asphalted. Really strange. And and I verified the story at the time because I called up the library. They re- did research. Yeah, we did have a, 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 a sighting of a UFO landing in the hospital parking lot. And by morning, the parking lot was repaved. Kind of strange, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, there, there are other examples as well. We say like a, a circle left on the ground where an apparent UFO has been. I mean, I suppose the most famous one is a Delphus one in Kansas. Um, from the early 70s but the, again there were accounts more over the world um the exact date escapes me now but there was a case in australia uh where a farmer witnessed a ufo it landed near his property and there was a black circle left um and, it, and this this is like you know potentially physical evidence that something has actually been there um so you know that kind of those encounters rule out say hallucination or or things of that nature um if it's been you know covered up then you have to ask well who's covered that up and and why you know if if we're saying that there's no interest in ufos and why did he go out the way to cover these things up uh, it is interesting and again it's another detail that just resonates with other accounts um from around the world and across the years oh yeah and in fact i just now remember too that next morning about 25 miles away from that town there was people at a lake and they claimed a ufo came out of the lake and there's a police report on it at the time that this UFO just came out of this lake and then took off. And and that was 25 miles away from where this supposedly UFO landed in this hospital parking lot. 
my thinking is maybe that that craft had a malfunction, had a touchdown for a minute, took a, you know, maybe it was overheating, who knows what, took back mm-hmm. off, found a, a, a source where it could hide and cool down, which would be water, and went into the lake. I don't know. Well, the water thing's interesting, again, in itself, because, you know, actual statistics vary, but, you know, a little over half of all UFO sightings and encounters happen over or near water. Um, whether it's in coastal areas, like you say, near rivers, um, Lake Ohio, um, you know, any of the Great Lakes, they're, they're all quite considered UFO hotspots. Um, again, the reasons for this uh, are varied. Some people suggest, like we spoke about, there are underwater bases there. Other people suggest that these UFOs are traversing the planet via the water system. And when we think that they, the Earth is made up of is it 70% water or something like that, um, that would make sense. It also makes sense that they avoid detection by doing that. So, again, the fact that, okay, it's 25 miles, but, you know, relative terms, it's a stone's throw away. Um, I think I think water being involved or bodies of water being involved near UFO sightings is another detail that probably needs investigating a little bit more because it is something that comes up quite a lot. And as I say, a little over half of all UFO sightings are over or near water. Um, there's got to be a reason for that. Oh, yeah, because I've had guests on, you know, that were in the U.S. Navy, for example. Mm-hmm. And they're they're looking, you know, they were lookouts on the ship and they were looking, you know, down at the water and there was a bright light following yeah. the ship. And, they, and, and the ship was going at a pretty good clip. And he said that when the, the, that light took off, it took off at a real high speed underwater. No submarine, he said, could ever have done that. And I, I and I've heard that not just from one guy, but from several guys that you know were in the military on ships a lot. Have you had anything like that reported in the UK with your navy by any chance? Yeah, I mean it, it wasn't just the UK's navy. I mean I'm sure you've heard of this one, but it was, I think it was Operation Mainbrace in 1952, I believe. Um, it was I think it was a NATO operation, but it involved the UK, the United States. Uh, and there was multiple, I think it was in the North Sea, North Atlantic, there was multiple sightings of crafts like, you, like you've just described there, being in the water and then just zipping off faster than anything we've even got now, never mind then. Uh, crafts emerging out of the water. Um, again, I, I do think that that, that that will ultimately, if we ever do get to the bottom of, of the UFO mysteries, that, you know, that'll, that'll, that'll be an important detail to be uncovered. Um, but yeah, I mean, all around the United Kingdom, we spoke about Wales um, in the North Sea, just off the northeast of the United Kingdom. There are hundreds of sightings on record of crafts hovering over the water, of being seen to, you know, submerge themselves in the water. And um, so, yeah, it certainly happens here in the United Kingdom um, pretty regularly. And, and those sightings date back decades again. Interesting. Now, how about, you know, missing people in your country? I know here we have a lot of people that go missing. Now, they do find a lot of them, or the majority of them. But even the ones they they do find, there's still a big group of people that are just vanishing off the face of the earth for no reason. Where the FBI says, well, hey, we can't rule this as murder. We can't. We don't know what happened to them. they just gone. I mean, the guy, yeah, who, I mean, the guy who goes I mean, into I, the woods I'm hunting. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, like the guy who goes out in the woods hunting never comes back the guy who is with a group of about 10 people walking on a trail and, and one of them disappears just like vanishes yeah i mean i think i think 
I think what we're referring to here is, is the research of um, David Polides, you know, and the missing four four eleven. Um, I think at the you know um, this is this seems to be prevalent in the United States, like you said, and people go missing in the woods or in national parks. Seems to be a big one where people just seem to disappear. What is interesting is a lot of those cluster spots, as Polides calls them do correspond with UFO hotspots. Now, whether this is happening, you know, people certainly go missing in the United Kingdom and, and, and the rest of Europe, no doubt about that. What really needs to happen is for somebody, whoever it may be, is to document these. Uh, and, and going back decades, I mean, as Paul Eyes has done in the United States and parts of Canada. Um, and again, this is another example of, of where seemingly unconnected uh, events kind of share connections we've spoke about the ufo hotspots for example the same locations are also um you also see a lot of bigfoot reports quite often um and a lot of those people that have gone missing and have, have been found or they've, they've they've come back they speak about strange creatures with glowing red eyes and it yeah again it's another mystery uh could there be alien abductions and, and stuff of that nature yeah they could um but again that that's a that's another Another subject that really is is a subject that needs deciphering and investigating in its own right. Um, as you say, in the United States, people do seem to go missing a lot, and they do seem to go missing in very specific locations, such as national parks, uh, forests, as you say, mountainous areas. And and it's not just people getting lost or you know becoming dis- disorientated. Sometimes people just disappear right in front of their you know they're there one minute, they're literally gone the next. You took your eyes off them and they disappeared. Um, there's certainly, again, something to it because there's so many accounts that you just can't dismiss it as nonsense. Well, how about cattle mutilation? I mean, it's still ongoing. And I, I again, mm. some people say, ah, oh, it's a the military. They're experimenting with some type of nerve gas or they're doing this or this or that. But it seems to be, you know, every couple months there's a noted cattle mutilation What's going on in the UK with cattle mutilations? I, I just can't believe it's happening only in our country here. No, not at all. I mean, we, we've got we've got numerous instances of, of cattle mutilation in the United Kingdom, and again, it's probably more prevalent in the United States. Uh, I'm just putting up a file now. Um, you know, there was a case in the 2000s, for example, where there was loads of sheep mutilations, dead sheep being discovered, but that coincided as well with what one witness described as Star Wars-type technology in the skies overhead. Obviously, lots of people think that these are, you know, it could be government experiments. It, it, lots of people also think it could be alien technology and aliens that are behind it. And that makes a certain amount of sense because if aliens are coming here, if they are abducting humans, if we just assume and say for one minute that that is completely true and accurate, then they're obviously, they're obviously conducting experiments uh, and they would probably start with something like cattle um i would say what's more harrowing and more worrying are the cases of what has been dubbed human cattle mutilation where human bodies have been discovered with very very similar uh, precise cuts to certain parts of the body as if samples have been taken um and you mentioned about earlier on about like a cleanup squad you know and they go and remove all evidence um that kind of thing surrounds these alleged human mutilations uh again People dismiss it, and they may be right to do so because it is very outlandish. But yeah, again, it's just another. It's going back to that another layer of what makes this subject so interesting because it fans out into so many different areas. Um, cat mutilation is very real. We've all seen pictures. It's still happening today. Uh, it's still happening regularly today. Um, whether there's an extraterrestrial, um, you know, intelligence behind them, again, that's what keeps everybody 
digging and probing and seeing, you know, seeing what they can find out. But uh, yeah, it's certainly very real and, and, and disturbing, no doubt. Well, it is. And again, I, if the military is doing it, I mean, they could have their own animals. I mean, face it, in our country, we destroy Mustang horses like you wouldn't believe because they're they're trying to cut the population down. And they, you know, if they wanted to experiment, there you go. But why take some cattle uh, farmer, you know, a rancher, and take his prize bull, for example, is worth a fortune and mutilate it. And well, the, these mutilations just aren't, like I said, with animals. They're with humans. And I'm going to tell you something that I don't know if you're familiar with the Christopher George. He was a Federal Park law enforcement ranger for 35 right. years. And towards his end of his career, he was in charge of a couple forests. So the guy, you know, had some credibility. And, and there was a couple people that they found out in the forest. There was a young guy who was noted for going out trying to get a picture of a Bigfoot. And, every, you know, all the, the rangers knew him because that's what the kid would do. Yeah, it was a young guy. And he was yeah. trying to go out and get a picture of a Bigfoot. Well, he went missing. And six months later, they found his body. And he was sitting on a uh, tree stump. Now, the, the interesting thing is his backpack was right in front of his feet. It still had food in it. Still had his camera equipment in it. But everything from his belly button was gone. Totally mm. gone. And it looked like a laser cut. That accurate. Sliced him in two and removed the upper part of his body. What, what he said, it was really strange because out in the forest, you got bears. You got all kinds of critters out there that would eat the remains. And they, nothing, nothing touched his, what was left of his remains. When they, and, and that is really puzzling. It makes me wonder, something is going on that I don't know if it's E.T. or something else. And you find that in cattle mutilations, don't you, you know, where horses or cows or whatever have been, you know, kind of left out in the environment for days and, and yet they've not been touched by predators. And as you say, you know, an easy, a, a free, easy meal for, for the number of predators that are roaming around out there, um, it, it, it's almost defies logic that, that that wouldn't happen. And it, it's almost like there's a sense that, you know, you, you stay away from, you know, animals have senses and it's almost like they're just, they sense something that, like you say, is wrong. Um, and that kind of thing, going back to the American government and would they just, you know, start taking farmers' cattle, I think just from an economical point of view for, for the country, it, you know, that wouldn't be very uh, sound. So I agree. I, I think the military thing is probably a little bit far of the mark. That's not to say that it's aliens, but it's certainly something very strange. Well, again, then you got human mutilations. You know, I, yeah. I you know, uh, Philip uh, Kinsella, uh, which is out of your country, he's been on my show a couple of times, talked about yeah. even in your country, they have found remains of people that were mutilated the same way cattle is mutilated. And, and it looks like their bodies were dropped at a high altitude back onto the ground, what was left of them. Uh, uh, have you ever done any investigation on any of that? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think the first one, the first case I remember, again, it wasn't in the UK, it was in Brazil, but in the 90s, there was uh, several allegations of this kind of, of these kind of discoveries. Um, even some kind of accusations of a of a Thatcher Reagan cover up. You know, the the United States and the UK's intelligence services were working together. Um, the thrust of those claims was that this was aliens, and that there was almost a a prior knowledge on uh, on the part of the of, of the two countries' governments when they knew when these things were going to turn up. They knew when they had to go and recover this stuff. Um, and so that brings up a whole other host of conspiracies about, you know, is there some kind of secret deal? Are they, you know, why are they monitoring them and, and how? Um, but yeah, the, the, there has been claims that people have been found with very precise cuts, uh, like you say, laser-like um, precision, and, and from almost the same areas where you would, you know, like to the mouth, to the navel, where you would find them in cattle, but you'd literally just find them to, transferred to a human. Um why someone, you know, treat with a pinch of salt, but again, the the claims are pretty persistent and they have been for some time. Um, I haven't heard of anything recently, but certainly, you know, a couple of decades ago, there, there seemed to be a few such uh, cases as that. Interesting. Well, we got to take a break. This is going to be about five minutes long, and we'll be back with Marcus after the break. You're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio. Again, check out our website at www.nightdreamstalkradio.com. Evening, you're listening to Night Dreams Talk Radio with Gary Anderson, and, and here's Gary. We, and we are back. Hey, James, uh, I think you have some books you want to talk about. I, I do. The first one I want to bring up, of course, is Mr. Marcus uh, Laos, our guest tonight. He has a book, and it's entitled "From Deep Within the Archives of UFO Insight." Fantastic book. I suggest everybody get out there and read that. Uh, another book we have is from Kevin Colich, and it's entitled Totally Ninja Raccoons Meet the Jersey Devil. Great book for kids, your grandkids. You can talk paranormal with your kids. Uh, it's a very good book. 
Another book we have on the website is by Mr. Gregory Wrightstone. And this one is The Inconvenient Facts, The Science That Mr. Al Gore Doesn't Want You to Know. And that is by Mr. Gregory Wrightstone. Another book on our website is by Mr. Matthew Roberts called Initiated. And he was on the 2015 USS Roosevelt when all that UAP flap was going on. So that book's on there, too. Another good book we have on our website is by Mr. Trey Hudson. It is called The Meadow Project, and it is basically about the Skinwalker Ranch-type stuff going on in the Deep South. So that's another one, a uh, good one to check out. Another book you can look at that is a very good book is by Mr. or Mrs. Rather, Kathleen Marden, called Extraterrestrial Contact, and she is the niece of Betty and Barney Hill. That is another, another good book. Another book you can catch on there is by Mr. Mike McCoy called Asteroids, A Bridge to Nowhere. And that is just some of the books that we have going on uh, on our website. Uh, of course, we have many more. I suggest everybody get on there and check them out. Plenty of good books covering a wide range of subjects, Gary. Oh, yeah. And you know what? If you're an author and if you're self-published of anything, and your sales, let's face it, when you're self-published, you're, you're fighting for sales because people don't know you just because you're on Amazon. It, it's like literally hundreds of thousands of people with books on Amazon. The same way if you go out there and uh, look for podcasts, there's literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts worldwide. You know, you want to be found. And the best way to be found is, well, maybe getting a hold of James, my producer. We got a deal going. For 50 bucks for three months, we'll put you up on our website. Now, our website, new people each day, is between 1,900 and 2,500 people, brand new people a day. That's not counting all the regular people go on to see what's going on. We literally have thousands and thousands of people hitting our website every day. For that amount of money, I, I guarantee you, it would be the best investment. If you've got a book in the paranormal... You know, and you want to be found. Let's face it. Where are people going to look? They're going to look on like on websites like my show's website. And it's become very popular. A lot of the people have had books up there. But told me that their sales have went way, way up. Kevin, you know, the Total Raccoon uh, series book for young kids. He said last month he, he on Amazon, he sold 100 books just from being on the show having it up there so you might want to check in james how can they get a hold of you if they have a book they want to get up there you can get a hold of me through my email which is producer night dreams talk radio at gmail.com yeah well anyway let's get back to what we're doing let's do this From the compound in beautiful Gig Harbor, Washington, Night Dreams Talk Radio presents your host, Gary Anderson. And a lot of people say that sounds like Art Bell. No, it's not Art Bell. It's my friend, Glenn Larry. And he sounds so much like Art Bell. Anyway, Marcus, we are back. How are you doing? And hopefully you got another cup of tea to keep you going. 
I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. Well, again, with these mutilations and stuff like that, I mean, how do the people that you have talked to about it, how, how do they handle it? I mean, yeah, maybe they don't go missing like they do here in our country. But, you know, if you really look at the statistics, Marcus, it's not just people vanishing in the national force. People are vanishing everywhere from the cities to the small, you know, little towns to people are just disappearing with no trace. I wonder what is actually happening to them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I think the majority of people, unless you're personally connected to a disappearance or you've got a particular interest in it, I think most people just just don't confront it and just dismiss it. Um, certainly, I would say that's the case in this country. Uh, that's certainly the case with the human cattle mutilations. I mean, there was almost, from the few people I've spoke to who have had direct um, involvement, you know, whether it's investigating them or, or claims of discovering such um, such scenes, that there's almost a, a, an air of fear, more so than if you were just going to report a UFO. Uh, and that's understandable. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as I say, I, I do think most people, though, just don't want to confront uh, such matters as that. But they, they are very real and they are happening, as you say. People are disappearing. Um, and, there, and there could be an alien uh, intelligence behind that. Uh, it's just a case of further study, further probing and, and, you know, just really digging to get to the bottom of these sort of things. Well, you have that publication. Now, can you tell us more about that magazine publication you're involved with? UFO Insight. Yeah. When did that start? And can you tell us a rundown about what the publication is? Well, I mean, it's, it started prior to my involvement in it. I think it was 2014. And, you know, like any other website, it, it had a, it an interest in UFOs, anything strange, anything interesting. I got involved in 2016 when I started writing for them and eventually became, you know, acting editor-in-chief, essentially. Uh, we want to look at all aspects of, of the paranormal, not just UFOs and not just alien encounters, um, but, you know, whether it's ghosts, whether it's Bigfoot, whether it's the possibility of interdimensional uh, entities uh, and, and everything that kind of intertwines around that. And, and as, I, as I was saying, you know, off air and, and during this conversation, um, the more you research these things, the more you, you do find connections to other um, fields of interest. Uh, and I like several researchers generally believe that there are connections there and that you know for example alien people who suffer from alien abduction report often seeing shadow people which you would normally associate say with ghosts and apparitions and or you know or they may sometimes report um, electrical malfunctions around the home and stuff like that which again you would normally associate with with, with like you know ghosts and hauntings um and i think there is an overlap um probably quite an extensive one and and that's really what we're kind of trying to do and so what i'm trying to do as a researcher is just to compile all these re-examine them again um and again if needs be and and just try and find those connections and, and you know it may prove one day that i, I you know researchers such as myself are, are wrong and those connections aren't there but um that's certainly not how i feel at the moment i think i think then um, i think these these mysteries are connected and when we do get to the bottom of them we'll have a better a better understanding of our collective reality well, you know, there's always been sightings of UFOs and, and Bigfoot, it, it, and sometimes it ties together. I, I don't know. It, it, it's puzzling. Now, in your country, I again, I've never been there. I would always love to go there. But 
Do you have anything similar to Bigfoot in your country? Yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's numerous Bigfoot sightings. I mean, um, in the United Kingdom, I think I don't remember the date. I think it was 2016, 2017. There were several sightings that came out of Ireland with footage. Um, and again, you know, like with UFOs, you've always got to take into the into consideration that it could be hoaxes, it could just be a, an animal, um, you know. But yeah, there's definitely not as not as prevalent as, as in the United States, but definitely signs of Bigfoot here. And, and as you say, I think the interesting thing is uh, certainly in the US is a lot of these Bigfoot um, reports tend to cluster around where there are UFO hotspots. Um, there, are, there is almost definitely a um, connection in my mind between ufos aliens and bigfoot creatures and what that might be obviously that's anyone's guess uh, i've heard theories to say that the the bigfoot creatures are aliens themselves or some kind of alien worker um if you like they're more intelligent than than just a, an animal um it might be the case that you know ufo hotspots um that what makes a hotspot could be like you know the environment and if we're saying that there's connections between different fields of interest and it would make sense that if there's a, a cluster of ufo sightings in one area then you're going to get clusters of other uh, strange incidents but bigfoot um and ufos yeah they they're probably tied together more than many people would suspect really oh yeah and and how about you know because your country is so rich and it goes back so much farther than our country does believe me i mean i, I i've heard you know there's so many more hauntings in the UK, uh, and and sightings of ghosts and and things like that. Is is it really that more in in your country than in, in haunted places and stuff like that? Um, well, I suppose you could set the age factor in, as you say. Uh, you could say more's happened, but I mean, having said that, you know, uh, you know, Native American history goes back thousands of years uh, in the United States, and some of those creation stories and legends are fascinating but yeah i would say pretty much you can walk into any or go to any town um in the united kingdom and there'll be areas that are allegedly haunted and um, but you know hauntings themselves are interesting because it, again it can tie back into you know many people believe that hauntings and, and ghostly apparitions are, are essentially energy um and, and frequency and, and uh, electrical um sort of um you know electromagnetic sort of uh energy and vibrations uh, much the same thing could be used to explain um ufo sightings in certain areas or in certain conditions um these things become visible to us um but yeah i mean i would say england or the united kingdom should i say you could probably make a sound argument that it you know it probably could be one of the most haunted haunted countries on the planet um what the reasons for that might be again it's what keeps researchers interested and, and, and enthusiasts well, I know scientists, there was an article uh, about a month and a half ago, they're very mm. close to breaking the fifth dimension. And what they claimed, if they do break the fifth dimension, then things like parallel universes could be in reality. And life after death, as we don't know it, could be a reality. And uh, and these hauntings and, and ghosts may be where we go in when we pass on, we go into another dimension and yeah i don't know i don't really know if it's a good idea if they manage to break it and find out you know these things think, are real i think human curiosity will, will always win on that one i would say but yeah i agree it's fascinating uh, when you speak about different dimensions because you know 
certain thoughts on on what aliens might be is that they're not actually aliens as as most of us would understand it but they are, they are entities from another dimension uh, and these dimensions that you know occasionally crash into each other which again you know could could uh, explain why if you see a big thought if you see a UFO it's there one minute and gone the next it might not be down to technology it might just be that for whatever reason the, the two frequencies of the two dimensions are you know uh, on the same level, on the same frequency, and, and that allows people to see things, even if it's just briefly. Um, but I, I would say that studying other dimensions and whether we can see into other dimensions would probably um, probably offer a lot of explanations that people are looking for. And I think, I, I, you know, me personally, I think that that it will be one of the places where where those explanations will be found. And um, you know, for example, we only see uh, as humans. A really small sort of um, range of you know of the spectrum, and we only hear X amount as well. Um, if we could see beyond that, there's probably things happening around us all the time. Whether that's other dimensions, whether that's just out of our range. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, I think a lot of answers will be found if scientists do manage to crack the fifth dimension. I don't again. I don't know. I, I certainly. <laughs> It'd be scary. You know, here's the thing, though. When it comes to ufology, or if it comes to life in general, I, again, I was reading an article just yesterday. Uh, another group of scientists, a bunch of them, are starting to think that we're not even real. We're in a hologram. That we're running on some type of metrics on, on a computer uh, program. And I, I just, I, I think what happens... Marcus, is what people get to a certain point. They can't find an answer, be it Bigfoot or be it aliens or UFOs. They get frustrated at a certain point in their life, and they go, well, you know what? Maybe Bigfoot aren't flesh and blood after all. Maybe they're coming in from another dimension, a different parallel universe. The same with all this other stuff. People at a certain point. I've noticed some major researchers towards the end of their lifespan, shift over 180 degrees of what they've been talking about all these years. Have you been noticing any of that? Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you follow, I, I get what you're saying. I, mean, if you, I suppose any researcher, as they go and they research and they refine what they know or what they think they know, uh, you know, it's perfectly feasible that they'll change position. But I think... Um, I think there's almost some validity in that, though. I mean, one one theory that I particularly like is one uh, called the psychic internet theory, which um, is essentially that UFOs or any strange phenomenon, whether it's ghosts, whether it's Bigfoot, whatever it may be, is almost manifestations of the collective human mind. Uh, I think a guy called Peter McHugh wrote about this. Um, you know, he was basically saying, for example, if if we've got UFO hotspots and people go there and they go there expecting to see UFOs, um, that collective thought, or even if it's subconscious, makes these things appear, uh, which sounds absolutely bizarre and preposterous. But the idea is extremely interesting to me because I do think that, again, when we say if we can ever find these answers that... Well, kind of, it'll explain again what reality is, and, and I think that's kind of where, where researchers are, are maybe going when they do shift uh, positions such as that. I think you start to question. 
I don't really. You still start to question what reality is. Now, I don't necessarily buy into that we're in a computer program necessarily, but I could say I am certainly interested in the power of the human mind, how little of it we actually use, and what potential there might be if we did learn to use. Uh, you know, there's a ninety percent that we don't actually do anything with. Um, now, again, you know, these things are going to be taken with a pinch of salt. They are very outlandish, but. Um, I just find it so intriguing and I think that's why people maybe shift positions because as I say the more you research the more you look at other areas that maybe weren't of interest to you before uh, and a good example here is for example if you look at ancient Egyptian uh, legends uh, creation stories there's a story of Ptah who would like who according to those writings would make things appear just from thought alone he essentially built the world just through thinking and um, again that these are only legends they're not real they're just myths but it's I find that interesting when you combine it with perspective in the contemporary area of such things like the psychic internet theory or multiverse theory of Paulino, for example. Um, so, yeah, I kind of think that's why people shift, shift perspective. Uh, whether they're right, I mean, who knows? Well, I think what it comes down to is frustration because, you know, like Ron Moorhead is a noted researcher on Bigfoot. Mm -hmm. And he's wrote several books. He goes around and he, he had in conferences. He he actually had an encampment that he would go every year to and record sounds of Bigfoot. But then again here, back about a year ago, he shifted in saying, well, maybe these things aren't flesh and blood after all. Maybe there's something else. And that is interesting that how he made this shift. But I hear the same thing with people. They get frustrated when they, 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 they can't find closure. E e either with a abduction, being abducted. And that's another thing. I, I have these people, it, it, it tell me really, really strange abduction stories where they've been abducted since a kid all the way yeah. up through adult age. And then at a certain age, it kind of stops. But the emotional baggage it put on those people, if it actually happened to them, it has like damaged them their whole entire life because they're constantly scared of being abducted yeah. again. And in some of these people, it, it wasn't, well, hey, they abducted me. They sent me orbs. They told me you got to save the earth. You got to do this and this or your planet is doomed. No, it, it is. It, they they come back with horror stories of pain and nothing about, you know, them trying to, you know, tell us we need to save the earth. I mean, why would they abduct some guy off the street and say, hey, tell the world that you need to clean up your act? Yeah, I mean, it, I, it's funny. We, we put out an article about this uh, very recently about, you know, the environmental agenda and the connections it has in alien abduction cases. Uh, I mean, that's the same thing. You know, uh, you could argue that there's almost a hijacking of, of, of UFO and alien encounters to maybe put across such agendas. Um, it's an interesting one. Just returning back to, you know, the frustration aspect, I can understand that as well. I mean, whether it's from a researcher's point of view or from, uh, you know, someone who has believed that they've suffered from alien abduction, particularly if it's happened all their life, which many people claim it has, you know, it must consume you. It, it must, you must spend so much time thinking about these sort of things, you know, trying to get, like you said, closure. Uh, and, and maybe it's a defense mechanism in some cases, but as you say, you know, you can't find that. Uh, that closure so so you just turn to any other rational or semi-rational explanation um 
but yeah, I mean, um, it, it, it's it's what keeps it interesting for me personally. Is as you say, you know, you you just need to keep an open mind. You need to almost try to protect yourself from that frustration or from that bias uh, as a researcher. The interesting thing about alien abduction as well. Sorry to change course there, but. Um, you know, he said all of a sudden sometimes these cases stop, like, you know, when someone's in the 40s. Um, going back to, like, Bud Hopkins, uh, a lot of his conclusions were that especially people who are suffering alien abduction over the course of many years, uh, was it, it, it was basically, an, you know, um, a data-keeping exercise on the part of these alleged aliens, uh, particularly evolving around breeding and reproduction. And he offered that this is arguably why... Uh, someone who was being abducted all their life since a child would suddenly, um, they would suddenly cease in the 40s, 50s, um, especially uh, women abductees, where they're essentially, you know, no longer of childbearing age. Um, it's a it's a bit of a wild theory, but Bud Hopkins, again, is is pretty respected UFO researcher. And, you know, it, in my mind, he put across a, a very uh, valid argument. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it's, it's again it's just all interesting stuff and, and and as to why people might shift position it could be out of frustration it could be out of uh, just just a new realization of things well i know one thing i really wouldn't want to be abducted because i mean some of these abduction stories i'll tell you what it, it makes your hair stand up i mean some of them aren't like well you know they they showed me what the world is going to look like it was like, you know, being taken aboard, having, you know, being opened up, being experimented on. And then if yeah. they were lucky, they were returned. I mean, in some of these stories like Calvin Parker, Terry Lovelace, all these type of people, uh, Travis Walton, uh, you listen to it, it's, it, it has changed their whole life where that now has been the main focus of their whole life. And that, you can't tell me that hasn't done damage to the relationships, to their life in general. Yeah, maybe they're noted now as a famous author or ufologist. But, you know, it's not what I don't think they were planning to do. No, I mean, I'd agree. And, and, I'd, and I'd, I'd say, you know, I'll, there's no way a, an experience like that, particularly if, if they are repeat experiences, um, can do anything but change um, you know, and, and I agree with you. I, I, I've read accounts where people describe the experience, you know, uh, as, as an emotionless, uh, an emotionless one, almost like we, we might treat cattle or animals uh, ourselves. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, we've all read accounts about, as you say, you've taken on board a ship and you're given a tour and explain how the propulsion system works. Maybe that in itself is a defense mechanism, uh, you know, of the abductee to, to block out what must be horrific uh, and terrifying, uh, you know, ordeals. Um, and yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I think, I think, I think on, in most cases, if you are unfortunate enough, I suppose, to undergo such experiences, then it, it, it it, it will damage. It must damage your outlook because everything changes. You know, your outlook on life and on, on reality, it suddenly shifts. And um, yeah, I'd agree with you. I, I don't think it'd be a very pleasant experience at all. Well, then you also have to worry about being abducted again. I mean, Terry Lovelace mm. has said numerous times on the show he goes to bed at night with a loaded gun and a high-powered flashlight. 
because he doesn't want to be abducted again. And he's had other encounters since his first encounter. But I've heard that from a lot of people. It really, you know, causes divorces, it, a lot of stress, you know, and, and a lot of people just, you know, don't want it to happen. Hey, our time is really up. I really want to appreciate you for coming on uh, your website and uh, your book. Oh, where, where, how can they find your website? Okay, well, I mean, you know, you can read about my perspective on things and, and my take on things uh, at ufoinsight.com uh, or at metimeforthemind.com. Um, they're both updated regularly with weekly articles. Um, and obviously, we've got the From Deep Within the Archives of UFO Insight, which we can get from your website at the moment. You can find that on our books page on both ufoinsight.com and metimeforthemind.com. And we do plan to have at least one re- uh, further release this year, uh, possibly two. But, um, yeah, there'll be more books coming out, too. But we're just going to continue to research, and me and myself as a sole researcher, is just going to continue to research as many cases as we possibly can and make as many connections as we possibly can and hopefully contribute towards an ultimate explanation, although that's a, bit, a pretty lofty goal, admittedly. Do you think... A world government or the world governments, UK or the United States or Russia or whatever, do you think any of them are going to come out with disclosure in the near future? Because a year and a half ago, I was contacted by some major people in ufology. Hey, major disclosure is coming within the next couple of weeks. Well, it never happened. Yeah. I, I mean, do you feel that we're in our lifetime going to have disclosure? I feel if it comes... I think if it comes, it will be forced. And and I've kind of heard researchers who are very close, you know, named researchers who are very, very close to, to, to the sources, saying that governments, whether it's the United States, United Kingdom, Russia, whatever, they almost kind of want disclosure to happen, not through them, and then they can just confirm it. Um, I think if it does happen as well, if it does happen from a government point of view, it probably will be a joint thing. I don't think the United States or the UK or any government would just come out by themselves. Although, you know, governments have released files, but releasing files and then coming out with an official disclosure and revealing of all information is a different thing. Um, Would it happen in our lifetime? Possibly, because there's enough people out there researching and poking away at this thing. Um, I think, think, though, it's... I think it's possible. I'm not going to commit myself either way. It is possible that this will happen, uh, if only because there's such an interest in the general public and through the work of researchers uh, around the world. Or, on the other case, maybe they just can't hide it anymore under the carpet. Marcus, yes, that's even again, I want to thank you. Everybody check out his book on our website, and you know you can click onto it, and it takes you to Amazon where you can purchase it. My friend, thank you so much, and I do appreciate you being up late. Uh, in your time area it's no problem it's been brilliant i've I've loved speaking about this Uh, i like like speaking about this anyway it's no problem at all and thank you for having me on i appreciate it maybe we can get you back on in a few more months and we can talk more subjects you just let me know time date and now i'm sure i'm available okay my friend you take care you too thank you thanks gary Uh thank you well hey james who's our guest tomorrow well, tomorrow night, our guest is going to be Mr. Thomas Wortman. He's the head of the state of Ohio, director of MUFON. And I'm going to tell you something. This guy is a treasure trove of, boy, some scary stuff, intriguing cases, UFO aliens, you name it. He's got it covered. Okay. And for the people watching this on YouTube, as uh, 
well, I got a couple people that emailed me. They noticed the change in my studio. Gone are all these critic or cryptic monsters that I had in here, except for the E.T. right behind me. And yes, that is blood on his lips, and he's holding a, hem- a human skull with a pair of headphones, which could be me. Anyway, we revamped the studio completely. Uh, hopefully, the, we even sound better because we increased our sound audio uh, drastically. And again, if you're watching us on YouTube, you know, share it. Let your friends know that we're now on YouTube. Or you can find us naturally on TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, all the major apps. Or you can just simply go to our website at www.nightdreamstockradio.com. You can listen to the current show when we're live. It goes live. Or you can listen to over 600 and some past shows for free. For free. Or you can even watch if you didn't miss, if you missed the, the day before YouTube. We also have that up there, too, so you can click on and watch it. Well, till tomorrow, everybody have a good one. We will catch you on the other side.